time to own the Audi you've always wanted, because until February 28th, you can enjoy the Audi A4 with a complimentary style pack, saving you over four and a half thousand euro. So, all you have to do is choose the color. Call into your local Audi dealer during the 191 sales event. Terms and conditions apply while stocks last. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It is fantastic. You know, big news yesterday. That was a lot of fun with the trade deadline. We're going to dig into that heavy. Uh, rolling along. A little Halloween action yesterday, too. So, And I never watched baseball. But we got Game 7 tonight. I mean, that's pretty cool, too. So some big things happening. Yeah, it's it's a fun week for sure. I, we're We're basically at the halfway point of the NFL season, and the trade deadline that we've so often have ignored because nothing ever happens was in for a major change this time with lots of lots of moves and big moves and even other other trades rumored that uh, I think can tell us a little bit about what teams are thinking. So, yeah, you're exactly right. We are going to dig into those those trades and some other news. We don't we don't really do very many news and notes type shows here on the Blueprint, but with all the news that we've had off the field, I think it's well warranted. So we've got an awesome guest today. We've got Brian Malone, who is one of my uh, co-workers over at Dynasty League Football and uh, does a little work all over the place. One of the one of the smartest guys around, really respect Brian's work. And he's also helping us out uh, over at the Dynasty Command Center, our new venture that we've got going there. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, it's been a good week. Uh, lots of news and notes. I was a, a news junkie over the offseason writing a bunch of stuff over at Rotoviz. So glad to see it's coming back a little bit, if only for a couple days. We're going to dig right in. We'll start with the Kelvin Benjamin trade. That one came right at the deadline uh, earlier this week at, at the four o'clock deadline. And this is not one that had been rumored or reported at all. Uh, so a, a little bit of a surprise, but Benjamin goes to Buffalo. I think they got a second and a fifth, I believe was the compensation, maybe a third and a fifth. Brian, what do you see this doing for Benjamin and his dynasty value? It's it's either neutral or negative for me with Benjamin. I mean, you know, he went from a low-volume passing offense to a very low-volume passing offense. And the fact that Carolina was willing to trade him, they, you know, are in contention this year is not a good sign. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't hurt too much. I don't, I don't see how it helps at least uh, expected value. Yeah, I would agree. It kind of reminded me of the other deal that we saw Buffalo do in the preseason when everybody was wishing and hoping that Watkins would somehow get out of Buffalo and, and he lands in what, at the time, at least, was arguably a, a worse situation there with the Rams, and we've kind of seen seen how that has played out. But I agree with you. I don't think this is a a bump in his dynasty value. I think sometimes you can take advantage of just players being in the news for any reason. 
and and maybe use that as a chance to sell. And that's that's probably what I would be doing with Benjamin. I mean, if I can sell him just based on this trade, if somebody feels like it's a better spot or maybe Tyrod's a better quarterback than Cam Newton. I don't I don't know if that opinion's out there, but if you can use this news to sell Benjamin, I would I would consider that. I think that's a good call, Ryan. And maybe the same's true with Ajayi and some of these guys moving around. They're in the news. It's creating buzz. People might be wanting to invest more than they should in them. But I think you guys are right, too. Like, I'm not doing cartwheels if I'm a Benjamin owner. I don't think it's a downgrade. I guess what what Brian said at first is correct. It's probably just a a neutral or lateral move. Uh, But what about Devin Funches? He's the one who maybe is the the big benefactor here that – He's going to be, I guess, the de facto number one there. Really, he has been already. He's 16th in the league in targets uh, from the wide receiver position, so he's well above average there. And he he basically has been the top option for Cam Newton. Funchess was a guy that was just left for dead after a couple of disappointing seasons, but now he's he's producing. Matt, are, are you taking him for real? Are you are you buying on Funchess at this point? Yeah, I've always been sort of a fan. Um, I think they do like him quite a bit. I think he's going to be their number one, but I also don't think you can forget that Olsen is due back soon, and I would imagine that's going to be more double tight end sets than we've seen with him and Dixon. I also think that maybe you tell Christian McCaffrey that he needs to spend a little bit more time in the wide receiver meeting room, <laughs> you know, that maybe he gets becomes more of an option as an outside player, as a, as a slot guy, even more than we've seen. And I also think it's a bump for Samuel too. Yes. Samuel was the one who, and, and there have been all kinds of reports and stories and things following these trades uh, as far as the, the reasoning for them, because so many of the moves we saw were, were surprised or surprises. Uh, Samuel was, I think, an interesting piece of this deal, just that uh, one report suggested that they made the move to get him on the field more. Um, he's a player through his first uh, seven or eight games who has done basically nothing. Uh, Brian, what, what do you think about Samuel after this move? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a positive for him. I think he has like 15 targets on the season. He's done nothing. So, I mean, if nothing else, he's going to get on the field, whether he's going to convert that into any kind of passing volume. I think he's not going to be fantasy viable this season. Um, but if we can get just, a, just an extended look at him for dynasty owners to evaluate him a little bit more and see how they're going to use him. Are you going to use him as a deep threat a la again, or are they going to use him as a yard after catch guy? That's all going to be useful to know. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We talked a lot on this show over the summer about how it was pretty clear the, that Carolina wanted to change what they were doing on offense. And and just by bringing in Samuel and McCaffrey, that kind of told us a lot. And this continues that trend that they're moving uh, one of these big bodied wide receivers and uh, they're continuing to ask Cam to throw the short pass. I don't know. It just seems like a different offense when he's when he's throwing bombs versus when he's uh, tucking the ball and running. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing or what their plan is philosophically. Um, I think that, that and originally, you know, this off season, they wanted to get it out of his hands quicker, save him. Um, his body's obviously taking a beating, but he hasn't adapted very well to that system. 
I, I wonder if Samuel's going to be a little bit more Ted Ginn than we thought. I, I think that's possible for sure. The Buffalo end of this really leaves me confused though, because after the moves they made in the preseason, I and, and many others kind of assumed they were just playing for, for 2018 and beyond. And, and I don't want to go as far as to say that they were tanking, but they were, they were looking beyond this season and now they, and now they played well, their defense has been really carrying the team. McCoy has been good. Tyrod has been maybe as good as he's ever been. I don't know how much that's saying, but they they've just gotten nothing obviously from the wide receiver spot. So it almost feels like a move. One of those mid season moves that, that, fantasy teams often make like, Hey, I'm, I'm in the playoff hunt. I didn't expect to be. So I'm going to go buy a, a player who can help me in the short term. It kind of feels like that type of move for the bills. Yeah. Before we, I don't really want to hear what Brian's say about this, but before we do, I just want to kind of mention that I think you can't overlook the ties that the decision makers in Buffalo now have with Carolina. You know I mean? That they know this player really, really well. And I still think if you would give McDermott and those guys true serum, they would say, I can't believe we're five and two. You know, like this was not part of the plan, playing better than we thought. But, you know, their turnover differential is unbelievable and highly unsustainable. That I still think that if you look at it and say, even if you are in the big picture, um, rebuild mode, um, construct, or what's your term? Productive struggle. exactly the productive struggle mode you still have to say our biggest needs wide receiver and we're not going to get somebody as good as kelvin benjamin with these picks we just gave up and we have a ton of extra picks so it still kind of fits that mold so i'm pretty sure that both benjamin and jordan matthews who they brought in in another preseason trade uh, are free agents following this season Uh, i I don't know what does this say about matthews you know what though benjamin's a first round pick so he has the option, but I'm not sure exactly how that works. Did Carolina pick up the option, or does Buffalo have to pick up the option now? I, I'm not sure exactly how that, that how that works, but I know Matthews is a free agent. Brian, what do you think this says for Matthews and and for Zay Jones, who have both have both struggled in their time on the field? Well, I got to think it's it's bad for Matthews. I, I don't I don't know that it speaks too much to Zay Jones. What he's done on the field speaks pretty loudly, though. So far, it's also you know. Tyrod is I don't think he's a free agent but I think they have a pretty easy out with him and we know there were rumors that they weren't thrilled about having him so this might be a not only hey we can actually maybe compete this year but if we're going to get a good read on Tyrod god we got to give him some weapons besides Zay Jones I mean Charles Clay was the number one receiver for a while and now he's injured so give him a chance get him get him a decent evaluation with a guy that can catch passes yeah, that's, that's a good point. It, it really is funny. I, I think we said on here, Matt, I can't remember if it was me or you that said this, but we expected both Tyrod and, and McCoy to be gone as of the end of the season. And, and there were even rumors after they made those preseason deals that they would either cut or trade those guys before this season even started. And uh, look how things have changed after uh, just a few weeks. Yeah, I bet they're flabbergasted. I bet they didn't see this coming, even as optimistic as they might have been about their team. I do think they'll come back to reality a little bit. Uh, I think Clay's a little bit interesting, though. I mean, Clay was kind of the apple of Taylor's eye. He's supposed to be back pretty soon. Does that hurt him at all? Probably. I think it has to hurt him just from a volume standpoint. But 
Let's look at this, though. Thinking about all the players that we've talked about in this impacted from this situation, Benjamin, obviously, Funchess, both quarterbacks, Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Zay Jones, Matthews, and Samuel. Brian, if you were going to aggressively try to buy one of those guys in Dynasty, who would it be at this point? I think it's going to be Tyrod for me. So not only does he get a bump by getting by getting a pass catcher, but they've also got uh, a pretty sweet playoff schedule down the stretch. I know they get Indy in there somewhere. Yeah, they've got Indy, Miami, and New England in weeks 14 to 16. So he's a guy I'm buying. I mean, quarterbacks are cheap in one QB, and even in two QB, you're probably paying a late first for him at most. So that's probably the guy I'm going after. Matt, anybody impacted by this deal that you're just giving up on selling, maybe even dropping? I mean, it's probably too late on Zay Jones. I was never a fan of his to begin with, and I don't own him anywhere. Uh, I think Taylor's interesting as a buy, but I'm also not sold he's a quarterback next year. You know, like you guys mentioned, that they do have an easy out on him, and is that are they going to bring him back? He's playing really well. I, I've never been a Samuel fan or believer for dynasty or fantasy reasons overall, but I'm more intrigued now than ever. All right, let's move on to the next trade, another surprise. This one, I, I think, came down on Monday evening. Jimmy Garoppolo traded from New England to San Francisco for a second-round pick, which uh, is is likely to be early, of course. So, obviously, Garoppolo had been at the center of trade rumors almost his entire career in New England there, backing up Tom Brady and we all expected him to get moved last offseason. The Patriots made made it clear pretty early that that was not their intention. They were going to hang on to him, and they did just that until, of course, here in, in, at the trade deadline. And the story or the report I had read was that they had the feeling or, or they had pretty much gotten the, gotten the feeling or gotten the idea from Garoppolo that they were not going to be able to resign him to a long-term deal. He is a free agent following this season and he, uh, he wanted to test the waters. And of course, how long Tom Brady hangs around would impact a lot of, a lot of his decision prior to the trade. This is of course a big boost to Garoppolo who gets a chance to, uh, to start, we would presume much sooner than, he would have otherwise, uh, but but what about everybody else? Does does this move really even impact anybody else on the 49ers or or on the Patriots? I mean, you you've got C.J. Beathard. Uh, I I don't think anybody was counting on him. He's been pretty terrible in the two starts. Brian Hoyer, their former starter there in San Francisco, was was released, and he ended up back in New England, one of uh, his original team, I believe. And then, of course, Brady, and, and you've got guys like Garcon and Hyde with the 49ers. I don't know. Maybe I'm being short-sighted. I don't see this as a, a big impact on any of those guys. Brian, what do you think? I think maybe the, the low-key impact player here is Brady. Uh, this is probably a signal that he, he plans to come back for 2018. We already thought that. I mean, he said he wants to play until he's 45 or whatever. But then there was the concussion talk this offseason, so I think that raised some questions. And uh, this is, I think, a strong signal that he wants to come back. The team thinks he's going to come back, and the team thinks he's going to be pretty good. I'm kind of disappointed, honestly, that we don't get the chance to see how that would have played out because that that would have just been a really tough decision for the Patriots with with Brady presumably wanting to come back. 
Garoppolo set to be a free agent. I was really looking forward to seeing how they handled that. And as, as they often are, they were proactive and, and went ahead and got something for him while they could. Uh, Matt, what about Kirk Cousins? Is, is he a player impacted by this trade? Because he, of course, had been rumored to land in San Francisco there with his, his former offensive coordinator. And now we, we assume that's not going to happen. I, as far as I know, Garoppolo is still a free agent, but the assumption is he's going to either sign a long-term deal with San Francisco or maybe even get the franchise tag from them. But more than likely that closes the door for Cousins landing in San Francisco. So what are your thoughts on how it impacts him? Yeah, I guess it hurts him a little bit because even though the Niners are devoid of weapons and winless and they, they, they you know they're not a good football team right now, I think this is a a boost for Jimmy just because of the Shanahan system. You know, that we saw the difference in Matt Ryan from last year to this year, and we've seen uh, him get an awful lot, Shanahan that is, from average quarterbacks from a fantasy and real-life situation. So Garoppolo might really struggle these next two months or whatever, but I do think big picture this is a really good landing spot for him and I'm sure they're going to spend big money on a receiver or, you know, use an early pick on a receiver and help him this offseason as well. So now Cousins doesn't have that opportunity. So I guess it hurts him a little. You could see Cousins ending up in Cleveland, Jacksonville, Jets, something like that. And none of those have me super excited, <laughs> you know, I mean, in terms of his stock. Um, I think it was a good point by Brian that I do think Brady is a quiet – uh, bump in value now too. And then that trickles down to Gronk and Cooks and Edelman and everyone with the assumption that he's not going anywhere for a little while. And that's a good thing if you're have any stock in the, the Patriot offense. Yeah, that's, that's a real, and Beathard's dead. Of course, Beathard's dead. Right. I've actually seen a couple of people trade for Beathard over the past couple of days. I, I, I don't get that. Weird. Uh, it was, it wasn't a yeah. super flex league, but He's just a nothing at this point in, in dynasty. It feels like, I mean, he, he was really bad in these past two games and I can't imagine him getting a shot over Garoppolo uh, once he's gotten the system down, but crazier things have happened. Anybody in this deal that, that you would be buying Brian, buying anyone in dynasty as a result of this? No, I don't think so. I think maybe, you know, the, the, the new England weapons maybe get a little uptick like Matt said, but I think that's already baked into the cost. I think people were maybe wrongly assuming that Brady's going to be around forever. So no one, no one strikes me as a screaming guy here. Yeah. Garoppolo, I feel like is a big sell. Again, if you can take advantage of the hype and the fact that he is going to get on the field sooner than we expected previously, then yeah, I'll take my second round pick just like the, uh, just like the Patriots got and be pretty happy with that. If you don't mind there, Mr. McDowell, yes. I wanted to tell some people about our friends at Harry's. The Harry's is sponsoring the podcast today, and I've been fortunate enough that I host some other podcasts as well, and Harry's had in, had uh, sponsored them in the past. So I became, you know, they sent me their razor kit, and I kind of brushed it off thinking, hey, I'm an electric guy. I don't use, use these anyways. Nice of them to send it. I'm glad they're sponsoring us. And I did more homework on it, and I started using them. And now I'm super psyched that they're they're backing us too because I think they're an absolutely great product and I am back to using blades instead of electric and it's all because of Harry's. So 
Um, we have a special offer just to our listeners. So Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you a trial shave kit for free, which is awesome. I mean, a whole shave kit, which is phenomenal. And what you have to do is you go to harrys.com slash dynasty, and all you have to do is pay for shipping. They give you their product absolutely for free. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why 3 million guys have switched to Harry's, including myself, like I said. Jeff and Andy are two ordinary dudes who are just fed up with, with buying overpriced razors, so they started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor, selling you directly over the internet. And again, there's a great deal going on. Just go to harrys.com dynasty, and you'll get them for free. So here's what you do. It's a $13 value. And all you have to do is cover shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted Ergo Nomadic Razor, five precision engineer blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover. Go get your free trial set. Go to harrys.com slash dynasty right now. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. Trust me on this one. The next player we want to talk about that was uh... – surprising part of this trade was JJ being shipped from Miami to Philadelphia. We heard a little bit over the past couple of weeks about how frustrated Adam Gaze was with his offense and uh, true to his word, he, he shook things up, dealt his, what, what some would probably say was his best player out of town for a fourth round pick. Uh, the Eagles, their their uh, backfield, I think, it, pretty safe to say, clearly needed some help. They've been uh, sending out some rotation of Legarrette Blunt and Corey Clement. Uh, Darren Sproles had that that terrible injury earlier in the year, but he was part of that backfield committee prior to that. Um, I think I'm even forgetting someone. Uh, Wendell Smallwood is is getting some carries as well and some touches. Uh, but but none of those guys have really separated themselves. We can assume. Once once he gets adjusted, I guess that Ajayi will be will be the man there. Even though that's not what their general manager has said following the trade, Matt, I, I've been skeptical of Ajayi, especially regarding his health. Do you like this move for him? Do you view this as an upgrade? No, but I think it's a prime time to dump him. I mean, I think a lot of people will look at him and say, "Man, he had like zero goal line carries in Miami, the worst offense in the league." Now he goes to maybe the best offense in the league. He's going to he's gonna feast, and they're going to use him in the goal line situation. And it's been reported that they were unhappy with their running backs in protection. So they look at Ajayi um, as, a, as a boost in that department. And with Jason Peters out, that becomes more important. And he's going to be their quote, every down back. But he's not that good of a receiver, you know, I mean, to be honest. I mean, he doesn't really profile as an every down back or a passing back. He's okay in, in protection, but he's not great. Is Blunt going to still be the goal line back? I would tend to think so. I think he was not driven out, but I think Miami was trying to make a statement that you have never really bought in, and I'm not sure him and Gase have seen eye to eye, and there's been um, some criticism that he just doesn't always hit it up in there and tries to bounce things when he's looking for the big play, and he ripped off big plays last year, but is that going to be – a staple for him. I bet not just seeing his running style and the knee situation still looming. You know I mean? The, whenever he was drafted later than we thought, everyone's like, Oh, it's the knee situation. 
but that wasn't an immediate thing. It's not like he's out of the woods now. I mean, doctors were saying he's going to have a short career because of a degenerative knee condition. And maybe Miami's doctors said, move him now while you can get something while, you know, uh, spreading the word around the team that uh, not buying in won't be tolerated here. So I think if you're an Ajayi owner, you could get pretty much for him. Not to mention, I mean, is he going to be thrust right into the lineup and be the top dog, you know, this week? I mean, it might take a while. Yeah, well, I mean, what you mentioned there with his with his knee is essentially what the what the report was following the trade that Miami had concerns about his long term viability and and essentially said his best days are behind him. So that was part part of their reasoning reportedly for making the deal. Uh, Brian, let's look at what's left behind in Miami. I don't think anyone has high hopes long term for Kenyon Drake or or Williams there. Do you see anything with those guys? Are you, are you taking a shot on them in dynasty? How are you playing this situation? I guess long-term that I have a little bit more hope for Drake, mostly because we haven't seen anything from him yet. So he hasn't had a chance to disappoint um, for redraft or, you know, for short-term thinking in dynasty, which is probably what this is mostly about. I, I like Williams a little bit. I think the dolphins have said that Drake is going to get the first crack at the lead role. So maybe that dampens my enthusiasm a little bit. But Williams is a you know big fast guy. I you know he's a guy that maybe could break a break a long run. They're, they're not getting big holes, so if he can explode into the second level once or twice, you know maybe he posts a long run and, and he's a guy you can flip. But that's about all I'm looking at this situation for. Ryan, along those lines, I mean I, I think their 2018 starting running back is not on the roster. I mean I could see Hyde or Crowell or. Saquon Barkley you know I mean they're gonna pick really early they're bad I think they still like Tannehill I don't think they'll be in the quarterback market maybe it's a Geis or a Barkley or something all of a sudden that becomes like a a really good landing spot for them yeah unless we've been missing something with Drake that that seems like it's probably the case and I mean Drake is a guy they haven't even they've been hesitant to even give him touches even as a backup uh, or you know sparing Ajayi when he was there so yeah, if I can sell any of these guys, Ajayi included, for market value, I'm doing that. I'm I'm jumping at any any first rounder for Ajayi. That that may be even a, a little too hopeful at this point. Maybe you have to add a add a late second to get a late first, something like that, with Ajayi. And then uh, Drake and Williams, if they're already on my roster, I, I'll gladly flip for a late second, early third. Uh, again, you may have to pair something with that to, to make that move. I just don't like anybody in this, in this situation, really. Yeah. And you don't think it changes. You don't think it's an uptick for Parker or Landry or any of those guys or a downtick for Wentz or Jeffrey or Ertz. I don't think it does. I don't think it changes any of those. No, I mean, like you said, he, he hasn't really proven himself at least this year in the passing game to have much of an impact on any of those guys. Uh, Landry is really getting the you know, the touches that we might normally associate with that pass catching running back, he's getting those looks on, on the, the short a dot and the short targets, things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm out, I'm getting out from a and, and really all of these guys, if possible. Sure. Let's move off the trade news for just a moment. We finally, I, I think this is the case at least we finally heard some, some news on Ezekiel Elliott and it seems like his suspension is, Official and final, although I actually heard today 
about one last ditch appeal that he may have. Uh, and, and Brian, maybe you know about that or can explain that, but it seems like he is set to serve his six game suspension starting this week. And uh, if that does go through, he'll be back in time for uh, most of the fantasy playoffs. I think he'll be back by week 15. This has just gone on so long. And I think everybody is really just tired of hearing about it. Honestly, Uh, it's it's been pretty evident that he was not going to get out of this uh, or, or win this appeal. So it's it's not really a surprise at this point. Just get it over with. I don't think it even affects his dynasty value. If, if you've got him in a redraft or you're a contending dynasty team and you were relying on him, of, of course it hurts over the next few weeks, but uh, he's still going to be a top five, top six pick in, in dynasty drafts. I, I don't see much changing here. Brian, do you know any insight on the legal end of this? Or are we done? Is he cert- is he definitely serving the suspension or does he have one one last ditch effort here? He's got one last ditch effort, which is actually to an appellate court. Um, he was in the trial court for this latest one, but I think it's a very low probability play. And uh, there's no reason to expect that that anything is going to come of it. You know, I think the the damage to his dynasty value should have been done the moment that these accusations came out and were reasonably founded, because the big concern is not five, six games. The big concern is if he's doing something like this, what else is going on in his life? And, you know, we don't know whether, you know, what he did or whether he did it. But the fact that there's that possibility should affect his value. You guys agree that it doesn't really change his dynasty value, but it does give obviously McFadden and Morris some life. I mean, they're certainly rosterable and it'd be nice if there's a little more distinct on who that would be. But I also think in the real world that basically cripples the Cowboys playoff hopes. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, they were in trouble already uh, with mm-hmm. the way they've been playing overall and uh, their, their defense. We didn't expect it to be what it was over the past couple of years, especially with some of the hits they took in free agency. This really isn't a surprise, I don't guess. I, I think everybody knew they just played out of their minds last year on on that run. But yeah, you're right. As far as McFadden and Morris, to me, they're just the name value, but very similar to the guys we just talked about, Drake and Williams. And if you can sell them, then then I would do that. I don't I don't expect them to put up big numbers. It's not a situation where anybody can put up a thousand behind the Dallas offensive line anymore, like we've heard. Uh, a couple years ago, I, I can't remember who who had that line, but it's it's not the case anymore. And yeah, those are guys that if you can sell them based on this uh, increased uh, increased playing time, then I would do that. Uh, but absolutely, maybe some contender that's light because of bye weeks or injuries would give you something for them. You know, just to start them here and there. Yeah, I do think I think Brian made a really good point there on on Zeke and. Uh, this is something that, again, we, we've talked about in the past. My concern with him is that it's not, it's not necessarily a pattern of a specific behavior. You know, it's not, just, it's not that he just keeps smoking weed and can't stop or won't stop or that he is battling alcohol or that he's, you know, doing any specific behavior. It's, it's a variety of things that that led to the suspension and to me that's that's the big concern that it's it's not just this one thing that he needs help with and he can turn his life around like we've seen other guys do it's 
it's basically a pattern of immature or bad choices. And sometimes that's even more difficult to, to correct than maybe even than an addiction. I don't, I don't know if that's, I think that's a good point. And maybe he's just a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, that could be true too, that maybe these aren't going to change. Brian, with that in mind, you, you said we should have affected, we should have changed his dynasty value back then when these accusations came to light and, and were shown to be, at least as far as we know at this point, shown to be true. Where is he sitting in your dynasty rankings then in comparison to the, to the other top running backs? I think the, the main one I've moved in behind right now is Gurley. Um, I actually have him on a couple rosters, and I tried to trade him in August uh, with no luck, I think even before the suspension was issued. And, you know, the, at least the owners in my leagues were saying, you know, I'm not so sure about this guy. He seems like a knucklehead. So I didn't have much luck there, but I've, I've moved him behind Gurley. I think, um, you know, Fournette's got to be right there. He's probably ahead of him too. So he's maybe in the five, six range, whereas he was in the two, three range before. But you, you've got guys like Bell and, and DJ clearly ahead of him then? Yeah, yeah, yeah those guys are still ahead yeah, of him. Yeah, okay. Brian, we're going to go back to you, uh, back to your legal expertise on Josh Gordon news. After no news for what seemed like months, we got some news that he is set to meet, uh, I think maybe actually today, set to meet for a potential reinstatement. I don't know if that's a hearing. I, I'm not sure how that works. What are your thoughts on that and, and any insight on the legal part of that? As far as I know that, it's basically at the complete discretion of the commissioner at this point. So he needs to convince Roger Goodell that he's got his head on straight and that if he, you know, if they let him back in, he's not going to embarrass the league. So that's that's going to be up to him. And, you know, it seems like he's been putting in the work. Um, it seemed like he was close to reinstatement last, you know, maybe no before this offseason. But then, you know, checked himself back into rehab. I don't know if that was because he actually wasn't close to reinstatement or if it was because he realized, hey, wait a second, I'm not quite there yet. And he did it on his own accord. But it's it's pretty much a black box and it's up to Goodell as far as I can tell. Yeah, that that makes it tough. Uh, Matt, do you, we've heard this for a long time that if and when he is reinstated, the Browns are expected just to, to go ahead and part ways with him. Would you still expect that to be the case, even with their wide receiver troubles as far as Coleman being injured and Britt being a bust? Do you think if he is reinstated today or this week or next month, are, are they just going to go ahead and dump him? I kind of think that would be a mistake because they're so bad at that position. Why not play him the rest of the year? And if he looks good, maybe you can get something for him. And in the meantime, maybe he helps Kaiser or whomever develop a little bit in this league. I mean, he has every reason in the world to give you his his all. Um, I'm not sure that that would work out all that well, but at least let him put some tape out there. I mean, the thing I think people forget about him, though, is the last we saw him on the field, he wasn't that impressive. It wasn't like that season several years ago where he was a dominant player. I guess my question to you is, if he's on the waiver wire in my dynasty league, should I pick him up this week? I think that's the question a lot of dynasty owners are facing. Um <sighs> If it's me, I mean, it, it all comes. It always comes down to how many roster spots you have and who your sure. who your drop who you're gonna right who your right. dropped player would be. To me, you have to have at least twenty five roster spots. If you have 
20 or 22 or 23, I'm, I'm not even bothering. So you've got to have at least 25. And then, and then I think it's a question if, if I'm picking him up, the only reason I'm doing that is, is in a hope to flip him. And if I, the first trade offer I get that is, is anywhere close to fair, I would take it. Um, I've, I've actually still got him on, on one roster where we do have 25 or 26 spots and, and I've just held on to him and haven't had anybody else out on the waiver wire that I'd rather have. But, uh, if I got offered, I think even, even a high third at this point, I would, I would just snap accept. I just checked right now, you know, status in all leagues for my, in my fantasy league, Josh Gordon, I'm in seven leagues and I'm shocked. He's, he's on my team on any, but he's rostered in all seven leagues. I thought he'd be out there. That's probably the case in all of my leagues as well. I don't think he's a free agent in, in any of my leagues and they all have uh, at least 24 roster spots or so. So Brian, did any other thoughts on Gordon? I'm I'm a little more optimistic than that. I actually just added him in the Scott Fishbowl League after having him rostering him most of the season. So and then dropped him last week. The nice thing about him is, you know, you're going to know soon, uh, hopefully within the next week or two, whether he has any value. So you add him, or you you know you give a third or a fourth for him. And if if he's nothing, then you're going to know soon enough. And if if he does get reinstated, then his value probably triples immediately. True. That's a good way. Of yeah. If, if he does get officially reinstated, that's, that's your big sell window um, before he even steps on the field. Brian, you're, you're totally right that his value would just spike based on that news alone. Matt, I really want to hear from you on this next one. And, and this was a report that, that Schefter and, and all the big names had following the trade deadline yesterday, the failed trade of AJ McCarron to the Browns, the Browns were reportedly set to give a second and a third rounder for McCarron, which that alone is, is strange news considering uh, Garoppolo had been sold for a second uh, just the previous day. Uh, And depending on what version you want to believe, basically it sounds like the Browns botched this, but just that both parties were willing to do that deal tells us a lot about about how the Bengals value McCarron, how the uh, Browns are feeling about Kaiser, which is probably no surprise. Have you ever seen anything like this in your days covering the NFL or, or working around NFL teams? What was the – I'm trying to think. There was something about Denver that they didn't get the facts in right or something for some trade or something or a draft pick or something. Yeah, that was the Emmanuel Sanders free agent yeah. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. No, that was a tampering. It was, it was a trade. It was a different – it was a defensive player. And it kind of amazes me that you can't just call the league and be like, hey, I meant to do – I mean, like, they'll be like, oh, okay, it's 401. We'll let it slide. I don't know. It seems weird to me. But, no, it's very strange. Stranger than not getting it in is you would give up a second and a third for McCarron? I don't see that. I mean, if I'm the Bengals, I would do cartwheels with that, especially if it's the Browns picks and it's the top of the round. It, it made, made me think two things is did the Browns really want to make this deal? <laughs> you know, I mean, we can laugh at them, but they probably know how to get things in before the four o'clock deadline, you would think. And the other thing is if they did, do they have any clue how to evaluate the quarterback position? It's, I, I mean, I don't even, it's I don't, crazy. I don't even know what to say at this point. I, I, I don't think it says a ton about the Bengals, you know, say what you will about, about Dalton. Um, it, McCarron's not going to overtake him. He's he's going to be the guy 
at least, you know, for the next two or three years, I would say at least. So it, it doesn't say a lot about them or necessarily how they value McCarron. It might've been, it might've been tough for him to go to work today and, and see Marvin Lewis and see some of these other guys who basically tried to ship him out of town, but it's clearly not good news for Deshaun Kaiser who continues to have these up and down performances, mostly down. He's been benched two or three times and just keeps coming back because he, he probably is the best option but we have to think he has almost no chance to start beyond these next eight weeks. Right. Kaiser. Right. I guess. And maybe somebody would take him off their hands. You know, like there's going to be so much quarterback movement that if I'm like Bruce Arians and the season ends and the Browns are two and 14 and they're going to go get cousins or use their pick on, you know, Darnold or whoever, Hey, I'll give you a fourth round pick for Kaiser. And I bet Kaiser would jump and would be begging to get out of there. Right. Do you think, but you're probably right. Do you think this move with the Browns, at least attempting to, to steal this quarterback away, the 49ers grabbing Garoppolo, does that also tell us something about the rookie class of 2018, that quarterback class? Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I haven't, I mean, I haven't paid that much attention to college football, but it it seems to send a strong signal that at least they think, you know, past the top one or two guys who are going to go in the first round, that there's not going to be much available if everybody's looking to give up a second round pick. Or it might be that, you know, they have their eyes on a position player they think is going to be valuable and they want to lock up the quarterback position so they don't try to make a, a need pick when they have a guy that they like instead. Yeah, good good point. Uh, l- let's move on. I want to, uh, again, Matt, kind of hear from you on this one. The whole Martavis situation. We've talked about the social media stuff. He was uh, put on the scout team and benched last week, and then we see Juju make the, the big 97-yard uh, touchdown. He made quite a few plays in that game, had a huge, uh, huge performance on Sunday night. Brian is set to, at least according to the latest reports, uh, be part of the uh, team's plan going forward. Matt, what what do you have on that? Yeah, I don't think they wanted to trade him. I, I think that they are in it to win it this year. I, I could see him having a much better second half of the season. The problem is Ben's deep ball is just so bad right now. I mean, he's hurting Martavis, and you wouldn't think that would be the case going into the year, and it absolutely is. I don't know what to think about his his dynasty value because I can see them moving on from him after the year. And I think Juju's a bit of a sell high, though. You know, everyone watched that, and he's not going to make big plays like that. I mean, when I watched that Steelers-Lions game, that was a wonderful play, and he made two nice plays, and I know they really like Juju. But I was watching that game going, man, they'd be blowing the Lions' doors off right now if Martavis was on the field with these guys. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I can get behind selling high on Juju. You know, I've I've been a fan of his. That's your guy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just my guy. So I was glad to see him perform well. But yeah, well, I mean, of course we're not going to expect uh, nearly two hundred yard games very often. But it, even the the long touchdown where he was just running away from from Diggs and the other defenders, that's <laughs> even just outrunning defenders is is probably not going to happen too often. Uh, so yeah, no, right. I, mean, I thought he was going to get caught the whole time. Yeah, if you can get, uh, you know, if you can get top 20 wide receiver price in a trade for him, which I think you probably can. I put out a series of, of polls on uh, a Monday morning 
pitting uh, him against some other wide receivers who might be in that range, guys like Jarvis Landry. I think, uh, let's see who else. Corey Davis was one of those. And he lost most of those polls, including to Davis and Tyreek Hill. Uh, but he won the he won the poll with Jarvis Landry. So maybe that's a move you can make. Sell Juju for Landry. Uh, he's, he's a player that people are are concerned about. Well, I think we covered most of the news. There were, there was a ton of it over the past few days and uh, it's been a fun time to be a dynasty player and fun time to be an NFL fan. Uh, Brian, we want to thank you for joining us today and and tell our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Uh, You can find my stuff at Rotoviz at uh, DLF and then I'm hanging out at dynasty command and answering questions there as well. And doing a great job of that. We appreciate your work and appreciate you joining us here today. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. 